This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Welcome into Hour 2 of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL, AMFM.com, and the Odyssey app. Herb Tyler, former LSU quarterback. I'm Christian Garrick. Our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text lines are open at 504-260-1870. Herb, um, you think tonight is a, is a game where LSU could maybe run the ball 40 times just because they're going to have that much of an advantage in the, in the rushing department? Maybe not. I think this is one of those games where you, you, you may not rush as many times, but you'll get those longer rushes per rush, right? Maybe six, eight yards per rush. Um, and if and if I know this team like I know it, I think they're going to try to get, get – you know, they're going to try to want to throw the ball. They're going to want to see what, what we can do offensively on the passing game. I, I just – I don't see why they would go away from it. They've not – they've always done it, right? So, um, now last week, you know, I think um, Ty Davis Price ran for 28 times last week, which is, is I think, there's a high for him, definitely, uh, which is pretty good though. But you know, I you know, it just depends on how the game goes. But I I, I see them trying to drive back, throw the ball, get cute, you know, um, try to make it look fancy and, and and that kind of that kind of thing. I don't I don't know, you know, and you know, I don't know if we can literally go in there and just push ULM around either, you know, and 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 hope that we can rush for three, 400 yards, but we'll see. We'll see. I just, you know, what I want to see, and I've, and I've said this the last couple of three weeks, I just want to see some pride. I want to see them play hard. I want to see them play tough, but this week I want to see them execute the plays that are, are being called, whether it's run play. I want to see if guys are, you know, blocking down and kicking out and, and opening holes. If, if it's, you know, screen plays. I want to see the the the, the O lineman getting out there and actually putting the hat on the hat and blocking somebody. Um, in, in passing plays, I want to see clean, crisp routes. I want to make sure those guys are sitting it down. If it's a zone defense, if it's a man to man that's run away from the guy that's covering us, and and let's see if we can make some tough catches and see if we could you know utilize that athletic ability that we apparently have that's a little bit greater than ULM. Let's see what we can do with that and. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to, and I think the f- the fans that are be there at the game and the fans watching at home also are going to want to see the same thing. And it's just a matter of whether or not we're going to get that or not. But that's what I like to see tonight. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Christian Garrick. We will step away and come back. Jimmy Smith, publisher of TigerDetails.com, is next here on WWL. And joined now by the publisher of TigerDetails.com, Jimmy Smith, friend of the program. Jimmy, two more games unless they win both of these games, 
and LSU's season will be over. How bizarre on a on a category of one to ten? How bizarre would you would you rate the season? About as bizarre as it gets. I mean, up until our recent press conferences uh, conferences from Ed Orgeron, I mean, it's been extremely odd from start to finish. And I think it goes all the way back to last year. I'd say this is an 18-month run that is about as odd as it gets in college football for any one team. Yeah, I mean, last week, Garrett Nussmeyer's dad weighs in. They play Garrett Nussmeyer, two series. Max Johnson, two. Garrett Nussmeyer plays better, so they stick with Nussmeyer, now they're saying he's sticking, he's going to take the red shirt. Max Johnson is the quarterback. I mean, this has been a seesaw up and down, wild, wild stuff. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, I mean, just the press conferences in the last few weeks, I mean, I, we, we heard Ed Orgeron refer to himself as a lame duck coach, right, and seems to not be holding back at all when it comes to speaking about his coordinators and, and some of the things they've been doing on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's just odd all the way up and down. And then you look at the, the roster, and what are they missing 12, 13 starters from the season? I mean, that's that's half your starters are out for the year. That's as odd as can be in itself. So uh, just a very strange year for LSU football. So they're favored tonight by four touchdowns. Do you think they'll cover? I'd like to say they would. Um, I mean, there's a, a huge talent discrepancy here. Uh, ULM hasn't really faced anyone like LSU other than Kentucky at the beginning of the year, and they lost that game by 35 points. Um, I, I think LSU should cover, should be in the range to cover, but that's a lot of points for a team that's been struggling offensively. Uh, if you look back at the last few ball games, LSU's offense has been anything but stellar, uh, really struggled putting up points, so to think that they would have to cover a 28-point spread means we need to see this offense play better than they have in quite some time. Yeah, I, I, we were Herb and I were talking about it. You know, just like Alabama against Alabama, LSU was 28 a 28-point underdog, and we kind of just said that's just a lot of points for anybody to have to cover, and it's a bad it's a bad bet just because you could get mm-hmm. beat really easily on a backdoor cover late in the game. You know, you give up a cheap, some cheap yards and cheap touchdowns, et cetera. So, uh, I'll I'll leave that to the betters. I'm not a gambler when it comes to that. I do like playing blackjack, but not not betting on sports. Um, it's not my deal. I will occasionally. Um, so, if if you're LSU, what are you looking to accomplish tonight aside from the W, Jimmy? Really, I think at this point, um, just trying to get some smiles back on the guys' faces. Um, it's been a while since they've had a little W here. Uh, winning at home, while I'm sure, um, you know, brings some good spirits in that locker room and, and really be able to execute offensively in ways they haven't been able to do in the passing game in quite some time. You're going into a, a final matchup against Texas A&M that could determine if you're bowl eligible or not, and that's a really good defense. And this passing game really hasn't been clicking. Uh, for the last few weeks. So I think um, look for them to to really try to throw the ball tonight to try to de- develop some, some timing and some rhythm in that passing game going into next week against Texas A&M. Uh, and defensively, just stay stout, um, especially in the running game, stay disciplined. This team's been playing fairly discipl- disciplined defense of late, uh, something we didn't see at the beginning of the year, and it's really starting to show up um, in the stat book. I-, I think the defense has really held its own in recent weeks, it's really just been the offensive struggles that have kind of held this team back. 
So where do you yep. stand right now? Uh, go ahead. You had something, Herb? Yeah, I was just going to say, Jimmy, man, I agree with you a thousand percent when it comes to the defense playing. You know, I, you know, literally they've been playing lights out, to be honest with you, when you take in consideration the number of guys that they have out and then kind of switching over the defensive scheme from one, you know, 4-3 to 3-4. Um, and they've done a phenomenal job. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, what do you point to? Do you point to the scheme? Do you point to the kind of unsurety at quarterback? Do you? Do you I mean, to, I mean, we can't necessarily point at the offensive line 100% now. So, what do you think that the cause is of what, why we're not scoring as many points as we'd like to? Yeah, I think, I think really it's a lack of identity. If you remember what this team looked like coming out to start the first, I don't know, five six weeks of the season, it was a real spread attack three, four, five wide receiver sets going empty, things of that nature. They really seem to be wanting to run 21 personnel and things of that nature now to try to get this running game going. So you're seeing multiple tight end sets and things of that nature, and they just haven't been able to really truly find an identity and personnel packages that allow them to do both. It's pretty obvious in their personnel packages what they're trying to do uh, when they have Jack Mashburn in there sliding around doing the things he does, almost like an H-back, if you would. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious at that point, being that he's only caught three or four passes all year. And when you've got certain running backs in there that that aren't good in pass protection, and that's on film. And and you know it, the tendencies I was looking at when Corey Kiner and Armani Goodwin are in the game, um, they're running the ball like 76% of the time. So when you have these types of tendencies, because you can't find a balance within certain personnel packages – I think it's really a tell, it's telling the defense what you're trying to do, and then you're having a hard time um, being able to go outside of those norms and those comfort zones within those personnel packages and basically leaving you with no identity um, as an offense. So I, I think they're really just trying to be the first team to start the season. They've been run heavy of late, and, and they haven't been able to quite find that balance. It's either one the passing game gets going and there is no running game or the running game's effective and there is no passing game. So uh, it's just finding that balance within this offense. And, and when you're having some struggles with timing from the quarterback position and pocket awareness and things of that nature and an offensive line that's been eh, subpar for most of the year, um, that's only going to add to those issues. Jimmy, how legitimate of a candidate is Mark Stoops at Kentucky? I mean, I would think he should be a legitimate candidate. I think I would have a hard time seeing them pass on some of the other options that could be available to take Mark Stoops. And what I mean by that is, do you pass on, do you put Mark Stoops ahead of Dave Aranda, Um, somebody that's been even more successful than Stoops um, at Baylor, someone that knows the program, someone you're comfortable with? Uh, To me, if you're hiring Mark Stoops, that means you struck out on Matt Campbell, uh, Lincoln Riley, Dave Aranda, um, and, and possibly even other names. I would think Mark Stoops would be six, seven, or eight on that list. Um, but as Jimbo kind of pulls himself out of the race, and it's pretty apparent at this point that Dabo hasn't shown much interest and so on, you're starting to see that list shrink a bit. So he could be moving up, but I would still think LSU would need to strike out um, three or four times here before they get to Stoops. Why hasn't Lane Kiffin entered the mix? I think it's off the field, honestly. I think as a coach, if LSU, if if 
everything that transpired at LSU was strictly strictly related to the field and on-field performance, I think Lane Kiffin would be the coach. Um, I think it's the off-field things that LSU's been dealing with with Ed Orgeron in the last year and a half, two years. Um, and, and Lane Kiffin's background is, you know, has a lot of that in it, right? And so uh, I think there's some concerns there as you try to, to reshape the, the perception of this program um, and try to find a, a more disciplined head coach within his own personal lifestyle. I mean, if you had a problem with Ed Orgeron's lifestyle, you're definitely going to have a problem with Joey Freshwater's lifestyle, also known as Lane Kiffin. Why they call him Joey Freshwater? <laughs> oh, you don't know that story, dude? No. Oh, man. All right. No. Do yourselves a favor. Look up the rumors of, of Lane Kiffin during his time as an Alabama assistant using aliases at, at bars um, and the popular one was Joey Freshwater. And when he was asked about it during a, a barstool interview, uh, he he laughed and said, actually, my favorite alias is Jimmy Chestnut. So that's kind of what you're dealing with with Wayne Griffin, <laughs> also known, a.k.a. Joey Freshwater. So I'm not sure LSU wants to go that route coming off of the off-the-field antics with uh, Ed Orgeron. Joey Freshwater. I'm wow. hey. <laughs> If if he is the next head coach at LSU, I'm getting a freshwater jersey. No doubt. There you go. Yes, for sure. I don't own an LSU jersey. I would get one with Jay Freshwater on the back. I mean, Jimmy, I get the issues that some people had with Coach O off the field, and, and it's never really been – I guess it's been proven to a degree with Lane. But I, I guess my point is that if Coach O were winning – None of that would have been brought up. Okay, it never would have been made an issue. I think the bigger issue, ultimately, is when um, he wanted to practice and the, and the, the the players wanted to march to the to the um, president's mm-hmm. president's uh, house or, or um, the office, excuse me. Office, yeah. And and, um, and he wanted to practice, and I and I think that was a big sticking point with him. And I think the other part of it was really. When he's telling them stay home, stay inside, do be responsible, don't jeopardize the season for your, and he's out there, tweeting out photos or Facebook and photos, his his girlfriend, whoever she is or was, uh, sending out on social media, and and the players are looking at that, going, wait a minute, you're not being safe either, you're not, you're not, you're jeopardizing our season, so, yeah, I think, and I, I think that if he was winning, none of that would matter, and I think if Lane Kiffin were to go to LSU. And if he's a single guy, and yeah, you might think it's a little creepy for a forty-five or how old Lane Kiffin in his forties. Um, yeah, he's got to be late forties, mid forties maybe. It, it is a little bit creepy if you're hanging out in college campuses and bars. I get that, uh, but he's single and he, he's allowed to do what he wants. I mean, he's not married, to my knowledge. He's not. He's divorced, and the divorce came after the Joey Freshwater scandal. So, and uh, I, I think you, okay. you really did hit it on the head, though. I don't think it's really the off-field antics um, of Ed Orgeron that really put him on the chopping block here. I mean, it certainly didn't help this cause. Um, and I think the things you spoke on, the, the social issues and the divide with his team, you know, he, he thought they were coming to practice. And that just shows right there. Where, where's everyone at? They're, they're lining up to go march. I mean, he was that unaware and that disconnected from his team. And I think those issues we saw actually play out on the field. 
right? We saw the, the confusion, the lack of communication, the lack of energy and discipline and things of this nature. I think the team was divided from that moment on. And with him going out during the pandemic while they're all on lockdown, all those type of issues um, certainly created a divide and a disconnect from his players and the coach himself. And he was just never able to overcome that. Yeah, I guess I was trying to and, and wasn't successful in, in kind of dismissing some of Lane Kiffin's stuff. But when you when you brought up the point that it was it, the freshwater story was after uh, was before his divorce, then um, yeah, I can I can understand why LSU would be a little gun shy. I just I think Lane Kiffin in college football, I think he's the best play caller in the country. And I and I, I, I'll take it a step further. I think if you're going to talk about college and pro uh, play callers. I think Lane Kiffin's in the conversation with Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay. Yep, I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think he's an elite play caller on any level, um, and, and certainly could could succeed in the NFL, especially if he were to have the right quarterback in his system. I mean, the guy's dynamic. We've seen him run all kinds of different offenses and all kinds of different schemes that are catered to his personnel, which a lot of coaches have a difficult time with. You know, I promise you, if you take a, a quarterback that's not a dynamic passer and put him over in Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley's system, you're going to have a little difficult time putting up 50 points a game like he does when he has these dynamic passers. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, his versatility and his play calling and the things he can do on the offensive side of the ball are about as good as it gets and, and certainly worthy of being an LSU head coach. It's just uh, – you know, might not be the right timing with everything that's been going on in Baton Rouge over the last 18 months. Why haven't we heard more about Luke Fickle from Cincinnati? Great question. I think, you know, when, when this coaching start search started, you know, it's it's talking about the big names, the Jimbo's, so on and so on. And I was told early and often, you know, there there could be an option here if you can find a Nick Saban-esque young coach. Right, that you could mold and that can grow with with the program. Well, instantly, I thought Luke Fickle. I mean, he's very structured. He's a defensive mastermind at this point. We we gave credit to other coordinators under him, and and once they left, their defense became even better. So, and uh, he recruits well for what he has. You know, it's Cincinnati. They can't go knock off the Buckeyes when it comes to five star recruits, but they're one of the better recruiting teams in on level. Um, checks a lot of boxes, doesn't have a lot of familiarity with this area and this region as a whole. I think that could certainly hurt him. And then, you know, is, is he any more proven at, at a high level than maybe a Dave Aranda? And I think uh, when you start speaking like that, it's really hard to divide and just determine who's better. But I'm with you for me. I think Luke Fickle would have been high on my list of candidates, and I'm surprised he's not getting a, a, as, as much talk as he should. And to be honest with you, that could be telling, you know, in the beginning of this search, I was saying we're not hearing Lincoln Riley's name and the fact that we're not hearing it tells me he's an option. I can almost say the same for Luke Fickle at this point. The fact we're not hearing his name a lot and we've heard all these other defensive coaches names. I mean, there's, there's no way they aren't at least exploring Luke Fickle. Yeah, that's a great point. When you consider the hiring of Jay Johnson of the LSU baseball program, there were several interviews that Scott Woodward did with several candidates and some, were just to get intel on Jay Johnson. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, and to get yeah. to get information of, hey, what do you think of? And they and they got linked to, oh, it's Kevin O'Sullivan, or it's it's Pat Casey coming out of retirement. None of that was was really the case as much as it was to get intel on Jay Johnson. 
Yeah, and I think that's, you know, with Woodward, he might be the hardest athletic director in the country to read on these types of situations. He, he plays it very close to the vest. He's every leak in Baton Rouge. I mean, that thing was a was a Noah's Ark flood uh, prior to, to his arrival. I mean, there was no info that could be kept secret coming from that facility. And since he's been there, he's really plugged all those leaks. And it's really become more difficult to figure out where he's going. And he's proven over the years with all his hires, he, he can come out of left field with the hire. And every time I bring this to sources, like, hey, um, there's some talk about so-and-so, and they always say, hey, man, you know, don't don't believe everything you read, which is common, but it's also, this is Scott Woodward here. Um, it could be someone that no one's talking about. And so I'm constantly been reminded it could be someone that nobody's talking about. Um, and, and so it wouldn't surprise me if, if in two weeks we've got a, a name that might have been mentioned but was never really considered as being the next head coach at LSU. Mel Tucker is off the list. He just got a good extension, nice extension, well-deserved at Michigan State. So uh, he got paid. And look, We'll find out. Well, I, th- I think we're going to run out of patience before Scott Woodward will in terms of the announcement and who it's going to be. And I, I want to I do a little roundtable here real quick. As we as we get ready to let Jimmy go, would you would you two be okay with Dave Aranda as the head coach? Go ahead, Herb. Answer first. I would. I I think that he's already established himself as a a, a really smart mind of football coaching. Um, he understands what it takes to win. I think he knows what not to do. Being that he was already coaching underneath Miles as well as uh, Coach O is uh, also. And then um, I just I think that he knows the area, and I think that the kids really respond to him whenever he's coaching. Jimmy? Yeah, I would I would basically agree with Herb on a lot of that. I think he has proven that he can build a program and win at a high level. Um, that win over Oklahoma was a statement victory for him at Baylor. Uh, and this is a team, let's not forget here, that just a handful of years ago, um, they were facing death penalty discussions, right? This team was mm-hmm. was was destroyed um, with scandal and, and things of that nature. And so he's helped rebuild that. You know, of course, he's followed some, some good coaching prior to him and so on. But uh, he's found success at Baylor, which isn't easy to do. Um, you're probably third, playing third fiddle to Texas and Texas A&M recruiting in that state and probably fourth behind Oklahoma. Uh, you know, as far as recruiting is concerned. And he does know the area. He knows the program. And and I think you really need to get a specialist here. I think all the great schools have this, um, where you have one side of the ball locked up with your head coach. And Dave Aranda is an elite defensive schematically play calling, game planning. He's elite. And so you at least have one side of the ball locked up in a system in place um, that allows for continuity long-term and, and understanding from your players and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, I'd be okay with it for sure. And he's an opposite temperament of Coach O, not brash. He's very laid back, business-like. He's super, super smart, like really intelligent. I think to a degree where football might bore him, if that makes sense. Like that's how smart he is. He, he You know, he's like, ah, well, I already know this. I don't need – you know, he's constantly trying to improve and learn. I saw him a couple of seasons ago at Sage training camp, and um, he was, you know, I said, "What are you, what are you doing here?" He's like, "I'm, I'm always trying to learn something from somebody else." So uh, I, I would be okay with the hire myself of Dave Aranda. I, I, look, I think it's the right temperament. I think it, he's a national championship defensive coordinator. He, like Jimmy said, he knows how to be a head coach. He's paid his dues, and 
Uh, I think he would be um, quite the quite the hire for LSU, and it very well could happen. Um, I'm tired of talking about it, but we're going to talk about it for the next two weeks until a head coach is named. So we'll see. But, Jimmy, thanks, man. Take care, guys. Have a good weekend. All right, publishertigerdetails.com, Jimmy Smith. Herb, I don't know if you noticed um, Mike Leach's um, play sheet. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yes, sir. It's like a one-inch wide um, strip of paper, right? Just a little blue paper, you know. Yep. Like, and it's almost crumpled up in his, in his hand. And the reason why I'm laughing, <laughs> maybe I only, maybe I'm the only one that thinks it's funny, but you know, you compare and contrast that to Sean Payton's Shoney's menu style of yeah. game plan, right? <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. And, 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 and he's got a pencil, Mike Leach, and he just, you know. He calls it off a, a little. I mean, it's, it can't be any wider than one inch, and so and I, I started doing some some research, and you know, his players have said that basically there's no he he doesn't have a playbook. They don't issue a playbook because his his calls are more they're based more on concept. Yeah, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I think Mike Leach is another guy that like I. I wouldn't want him as LSU's head coach, maybe, just because I I think he fizzles out at places and gets burned out. Um, but I I'd, I'd like to cover him just because I think he's an interesting cat. He, like I'd like to sit down with him for like yeah. two hours and talk to him. And I think he's another one that kind of so intellectual. He gets bored. He, That's he right. He gets bored. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 look, I, I love the guy, man. I've always liked him. I, th- I thought the world of him. I think that. Concepts is such an easy way to get younger kids to understand how to play the game of football. It's you know you say one word that means these guys from the center to the right they do X and the guys from the center to the left do Y right and whatever that is they do it and they know it every time they hear it that's what they do and um, it's just repetitiveness and that's that's good but you know I would love to see him as an LSU head coach but he's got to get a Dave Aranda or somebody as a defensive coordinator like he's got to be able to offset the, the, the great offensive mind that he is with another great defensive mind. Yeah, uh, he's he's something else. If you ever want to entertain yourself, Herb, or anybody in the audience, just YouTube Mike Leach talking about Bigfoot, all right, and um, aliens uh, and, 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 and things like that. He, he, he will entertain you for a good while about his beliefs in Bigfoot and aliens and UFOs and it's 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 pretty wild stuff. Mike's a deep, deep, deep guy. He's uh he's an interesting cat. And I don't know. I, I brought that up just because uh, I just found it comical. The other it was last week when I saw him holding his play his game plan, <laughs> and it was one inch wide. Give me an example though, Herb, of a concept. Um, like a I guess a drag route to be concepts like a drag or um um like uh I'm drawing a blank right now um like smash like a smash for us it used to be it was an inside corner and an outside hitch but that smash could come from two two wide receivers it could come from a wide receiver a tight end it could be a wide receiver and a running back right mm-hmm. i mean it could be whatever it is whoever whatever the 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 i guess the uh, um formation is it it that would determine who actually does what so on the smash route, let's just say it's like a I don't know a base right where you got a wide receiver and a tight end to the right side, and then you have a, a running back to that side. So technically, 
the tight end would run the inside guy would run the the corner route, which is the smash, and then the outside guy would run the hitch, which is five and then whatever five and sit, whatever that might be. And then your your tailback would probably curl up inside somewhere around the the uh, tight end area and kind of sit there, kind of to pull whatever linebacker that may potentially still be there. But then if it's a two wide receivers side, like a twin side, then the outside receiver runs the hitch, the inside receiver runs the smash, and then you know if there's anything else, somebody may be curling up somewhere around inside of that the middle of the field area. And if it's a wide receiver in the, uh, well, I'm sorry, if it's a tight end with no receiver on that side, and let's just say you had a receiver and then he went in motion, and then you would have the the outside guy, the furthest outside guy would at that point be the running back because he would be coming out of the field. So he'd run a flare, which would double as a a quote-unquote hitch because it's just a short route. And then there was the tight end on that side would run the cornerback. So that's a concept of, of, of what you say you would call a smash. But then out of all those formations, you have these certain guys that are, they know if there's a last man on the line, he runs a hitch. If he's the inside guy, he's going to run a, cur- uh, a, a corner route. And then the running back is you're just melting my brain. the formation. Yep. You're, mel- you're melting my brain. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is melting. And that's just simple. That's not even like pivots. Right, and, right. And I mean, there's, there's so many different things that there's just out there, but but it's simple though because when you start using the terminology and you understand the formation, it's all based upon the formation, right? And then it depends on once you get those concepts, then you have to, as a quarterback, you have to understand what type, what type of defense they're in. They're in zone, they're in man, or they're in some sort of a mixture of the two. You know, it's just different things. Is the is the the defensive line slanting left or right, whatever? So and you also have to call the blocking scheme for the deep, for the offense. So it may be like base right, 60 smash. So 60 means that I need to uh, – it's a five-step drop. It might be a 90 smash. That means I only got three steps, so I got to get the ball out really quick. So it's all kind of different things. Terry Bowden, the head coach of Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, stopped by Sports Talk earlier in the week. When we come back, you'll hear that interview here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show on WWL. Pleased to be joined by Terry Bowden, UL Monroe head football coach. Coach Terry, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are y'all doing? We're good. So Scott Alexander r- reminded me your best LSU moment. What what was it? Uh, probably those three interceptions in '94 up at up in, uh, <laughs> at Auburn, where we we didn't score an offensive touchdown. I don't think we won 31-28. Three interceptions went for scores, and I want to say they fumbled and the ball rolled back. And either fell in it for a score or on the goal line for the other score. So um, uh, it was uh, – It was. <laughs> I've lost some crazy ones, but I've never won one like that. Now, uh, you know, Coach, uh, look at where you're at right now uh, in the Sun Belt, uh-huh. belt uh, four and six, uh, two and five in the mm-hmm. Sun Belt. Uh, what is your status with your quarterback? Uh, I know he's coming back from an injury. Uh, sure. Rhett Rodriguez. Uh, so where is right. he at? Well, Rhett, you know, Rhett came back and, has, and was healthy enough to play this past week uh, in our in our game against Arkansas State. Now, Chandler Rogers, the freshman, has really had really come on strong. He runs a little better uh, than than okay. Rhett, and he's really his probably his skill set's probably a little more set for the offense. But he was a little banged up last week, so we'll have we'll, we'll probably have to have all three of them to get through the game against LSU with the way their defense played, and they're blitzing a little bit now too. 
Now, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, now, uh, yeah, especially uh, they're pitting their rears back and, uh, you know, how yeah. they got after Alabama. Uh, but, right. Coach, uh, what is your philosophy right now uh, uh-huh. when you look on offense or from a defensive perspective? Because uh, you haven't been maybe where you want to be, uh, to say uh-huh. the least. But uh, so, yeah. so what are the goals when you start to, uh, trying to establish right. uh, that right. efficiency on offense and defense? Well, I mean, when you, it's, it's, you know, this is the sixth job I've taken over as a head coach. I've been a head coach 25 years at a lot of different places. And you go in, you got to take the team for where it is. Now, this team last year not only didn't win a game, but didn't lead in any game. And so we really didn't have anything to start with, and all the transfers didn't come into August. And so you're trying to put an offense together, and I don't think we can get a first down the first couple of games. Of course, we're playing Kentucky. Yeah, and we play some right. really good teams, uh, but but we've gotten better. We come out there and we're thirty-two and a half point underdogs against at Liberty. We win. We're twenty-four underdogs against Troy, and we win. We're fourteen point underdogs against South Alabama, and we win. But we're kind of toss-ups in the last two, and we don't win. Um, so we're just trying to get better at it. We'll, we there's some things we can do with uh, coaching, but most of it has to be done with recruiting. Coach, I, I don't certainly this is might be sensitive your father just passing away back in august uh um i don't you know pick out a scab by any means but your dad was a college football legend not was is a college football legend what was it like growing up uh watching him and have all that success in in florida state and just being you know uh, a son of of bobby uh, bowden well you're always bobby bowden's boy i'm 65 years old i was when I left Akron, I was the sixth winningest active coach in the country. I'm still just a distant second in my own family. So, you know, my dad, he's a great father, a great coach, and a great man. When, when he passed uh, earlier this year and all the people talked about the, the, what he meant to them off the field. I'm talking about the great players like Warwick Dunn, Charlie Ward, many, many great players. It was more what kind of man he was off the field. And so if there's anything that I remember that I, that I would like to emulate, uh, it's, it's the kind of person he was caring for other people. His faith was very important, his spirituality very important, and he wasn't afraid to say it. He made football. His biggest saying was football cannot be the priority of your life if you're going to be a coach. It's got to be a priority, but if it's the priority, the pressure will drive you crazy, and you've seen that happen to athletes and coaches over and over again. Now, uh, Coach Bowden, uh, what are uh-huh. uh, the challenges uh, being at UL Monroe, the Warhawks, uh-huh. uh, to get players to come there? Is it almost you have to look at the transfer uh, portal, uh, given opportunities? Because it seems like this day and yeah. age, that's different than when you first started coaching. Right. That uh, all, all of a sudden you can have someone that maybe didn't work out at another school, but you bring right. him on board, he might be a stud for you. Well, I think you got to understand the portal. You know, a few years ago, they started letting graduating seniors play automatically. And I played when I was at Akron or, or other schools, I've, I've used that route. But the portal transfer thing was, was really something a lot, a lot of people jumped on. And, it, and it's, it, it's part of it, but it didn't the whole thing. You got to understand when you're a power five school and a guy transfers from LSU and goes to Alabama or Kentucky like the Lima did, that's like the free agency in the pros. When, you, when they come to the group of five, that's like going, that's like Canada. You know, like we're, we're getting the guys that there was something wrong probably, but, or maybe they just weren't quite good enough. And so we're probably getting some kids that can really help us change the quality of our team. If not starters, then guys that can give us depth. So we all use it. 
But we've got to get back. I mean, I've been doing this long enough. You're going to win with high school guys that are with your program four years, and you develop them, you grow them, and they bleed your colors and they bleed your school. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.